Greetings, Instro Surf Rock fans. I'm Lady Reverb, and this is Surf Guitar 101's podcast Lucky Number 7. In this show, I'll be taking you on a journey into the deepest reaches of outer space. And from somewhere in the galaxy, we'll also be transmitting the second half of the interview that was conducted with legendary surf guitarist John Blair. Additionally, I'll also be playing a couple of space-themed tracks from some brand new music. One from the Surfites out of Stockholm, Sweden, and another from Austin, Texas band, The Thunder Chiefs. So, to fire up this space podcast, I thought I'd start off with one of my current favorite bands, El Rey, doing the amazing Space Car 2001.
15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8. Ignition sequence has started. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. We have commit and we have lift on the 213.
That was Outer Orbit from the amazing SoCal band The Huntington Cads. Starting things off was Space Car 2001 by Danish band El Rey. After that, we heard Nebula One from Boston area band The Nebulas. And that was followed by Space Race from classic first wave surf band Gene and the Esquires. Next up is Terror in Space by The Metal Lunas. Thank you. 
Okay, Space Comrades, we started off that set with Vancouver Band, the Metalunas, and their song Terror in Space, followed by Space Echoid from fabulous German band, the Kilauea's. After that, we heard an awesome song, Scorpio 6 by Satan's Pilgrims. That was from their album, Creature Feature. And finally, we heard a song off the Rare Surf Volume 2 compilation. That was classic Orange County band, The Nocturnes, playing third star to the left. Now it's time to resume the interview with John Blair, which we brought you the first half of in the last podcast. This was conducted courtesy of Warren Binder, who many Surf Guitar 101 regulars know as Captain Springfield. Please stay tuned. Uh, this is Warren Binder with SurfGuitar101.com. I'm here at the Huntington Beach International Surfing Museum with John Blair, surf music historian, author, and guitarist, John and the Night Riders. Actually, going back to something you said earlier about the, the first John and the Night Riders single, was uh, was that the first original you wrote when you recorded for that? Or had you written songs back in the 60s? No, that was actually the first original, first surf instrumental I had. <laughs> first surf instrumental that I had ever written. It was Rumble at Waikiki. Is there a particular cover of a John and the Night Riders song you've heard that's really stood out for you? Ooh. You know, interestingly, there have been several uh, covers of John and the Night Riders tunes, and um, and they're all pretty good, actually. Uh, I can't really offhand come up with um, come up with one that, that stands out immediately. But it, it, you know, to, to be covered, period, by anyone is is an honor, and uh, I've always enjoyed uh, hearing myself covered. <laughs> Hearing a, a, a John and the Night Riders song covered, um, and there have been a few, but they've all been good. <laughs> Do you tend to prefer a uh, traditional or more a more progressive approach to modern surf music? I guess I, if, if I had to, um, if I had to make a decision, it would be a, a more trad approach. Um, my tastes tend toward that, but um, at the same time, there are some progressive approaches to surf music that have popped up in the last few years by some bands that really impressed me. The Madeira, for one, they're not a, a what I would call a traditional surf band at all, but um, from a progressive standpoint, they're, they're excellent. Slack tone is great. Uh, the Merman are, are incredible. So I enjoy all these bands as well as I do the trad, but my preference would probably be traditional. Are there modern traditional bands you, uh, you really enjoy? Boy, there's there's only really a handful. Um, the only one that really comes to mind immediately is a band that uh, hasn't isn't really together anymore, and that's the Torques from here in Southern California. I don't think you can get more traditional than the Torques. Do you, do you tend to keep up with the uh, current releases? You know, I did up to a point a few years ago, but it really got to the point where there were so many bands releasing so much product that it was very difficult to keep track of them all. So uh, lately, no, I, I haven't uh, been able to keep up with everything that's coming out. Used to. But I guess that's to the credit of surf music in a way that it's become so popular that it's, it's hard to keep up with everybody now. There's so many out there. Do you see this as sort of a mini resurgence? Maybe not on par with the, the second wave or the, the third wave? Um, don't know if it's so much a resurgence uh, because it, you know, ever since um, certainly ever since Pulp Fiction in '94, it really hasn't stopped. It hasn't. There hasn't been any uh, uh, any points where surf bands have gone away. They, they've just been there. They've been present. I think it's just growing. So more than a resurgence, it's it's a growing trend. I uh, just see it growing. 
still at a grassroots level, but but growing. Do you see that continuing, or do you see maybe starting to plateau? No, I, I uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to say. I don't know if it's really plateaued. Um, I, I keep hearing about new bands, so I, in that sense, I have to say that it, it keeps growing. But I don't know how many existing bands are, are giving up the ghost either. So it might be plateauing. There might be uh, existing bands that are just um, quitting and fading off into obscurity with new bands starting up. Or it just could be new bands starting up all the time. But there certainly is a lot of it out there. Are there any plans for uh, you and Marty Tippins to play out anytime soon? Well, you never know. You just never know. That's about the best I can say about that. Um, we rehearse. Um, we keep our chops up. We shall see. If the CD gets released uh, next year, there could very well be some some performances locally, at least. Um, but like I say, um, you never know. I've always got a project going of some kind, so who's to say? Well, you've uh, very recently put out the, the fourth edition of your uh, illustrated discography of surf music. Um, what was the research method used to compile the data for the book? Oh, research method. Um, <laughs> you, you, I'm your basic geek record collector, you know, so I've been doing this for so many years, and it's it, the source material for this book is essentially my record collection. You know, since the last edition of this book was published, I haven't stopped collecting this music, and the last edition certainly was not complete, and I don't think the current edition is complete as well. So the research continues. Ultimately, there probably will be a fifth edition. Okay. So it's a matter of, of uh, collecting the music, and uh, as I as I get new records that I haven't uh, um, collected before from from the 60s, uh, that information then goes into the the database that I, I use to compile the book. So. It's, uh, and then information comes from other sources too. We have the internet now. So that, that has, has provided a, a fair amount of information over the years as well from other people who are also geek record collectors that, um, that know people or have records that I don't have. So. Okay. The other, uh, there's some significant differences between this edition and the third. Would you like to... Uh, going to those? Well, it, it's bigger, of course. That's the most obvious. There's, there are more listings than the last one. But probably the, the, the biggest difference between this edition and the last one is that this one's all color. This time I decided to show all the record labels and the album covers in color. And a lot of the, the posters and uh, uh, other ephemera appears in color for the first time. Yeah, it looks great. Um, the layout and the colors are very sharp. Um, when did you start uh, collecting surf albums? Early 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's when I bought Dick Dale's records for the first time and uh, the Challengers. I mean, I, I was in high school in the early 60s. Very much into surf music, living in Southern California at the time. So, yeah, all my allowance was spent on buying records. <laughs> I still remember the, uh, the, the exact store uh, where I bought a copy of Mr. Moto by the Bel Airs. I remember exactly where that was. So, which memories are interesting. Which store was it? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't remember the name of the oh. store, but I know where it was. It was in Pomona, California. 
in a shopping mall next to a Sears huh. a store. Was there a particular record or just moment where it changed from maybe liking surf music to loving surf music, wanting to play surf music? You know, for me, I think it was almost that way from the very start. And uh, the reason why was because I had just started learning how to play the guitar um, a year or two before surf music hit. And I was living in Southern California and in high school, so I mean, I had everything going for me, the right place at the right time, and learning how to play guitar. And surf music, uh, the original form was instrumental, and it was guitar-driven. So it was a lot easier for me to practice my guitar and learn how to play the guitar better by listening to surf records. They were instrumental and they were guitar-led. So um, I've, I've told Dick and others over the years that, that he and, and uh, the Fireballs and the Ventures were my early guitar teachers, although they never, they never knew it at the time. This was obviously predated the Ventures, play guitar with uh, LPs by a few years. Um, mm-hmm. You said you remember the store where you bought Mr. Moto, which was the, the first uh, album or single you bought with the genre. This is probably Moto. Um, uh, I remember buying Dick Dale's first album, I remember buying the Challenger's first album, and that was all late 62, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is... I was in that frame of mind, I was in that mode, it was the thing to do, I enjoyed the music, I really liked it, so I, I bought the records. How much of the John and the Night Riders catalog is, has drifted out of print? Uh, All of it. <laughs> Except for this uh, last CD reissue, Stampede, it's still in print, uh, that just came out last year, but he, but essentially all of the... Uh, CDs that and, and vinyl that we recorded prior to that have all gone out of print, as far as I'm aware. Um, now you reissued Stampede not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what brought that about? Um, Greg Russo, who um, has uh, this record label in New York, um, Crossfire Publications, I think is, he calls the label. Uh, I, I had started up a uh, conversation with him at one point. I don't remember exactly how we connected, but uh, the subject of the John and the Night Riders catalog came up, and he just mentioned to me that he wanted to reissue um, some of our material that hadn't seen the digital light of day yet, and Stampede was the first choice. So uh, I simply arranged with him to to put it out. He just was, he liked the band, and uh, that uh, album had never had never been reissued on CD before, so he took it upon himself to do that. That came out last last year. Are there plans to reissue some of the other... Uh... Yeah, Greg wants to wants to do the same thing with, uh, with some of our earlier catalog as well. I don't own the rights to a lot of our material, but some of it I do. And so of the material that I have the master tracks for that I own the rights to, we're going to uh, try and release some of that next year. For the first time. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to uh, talk about? Yeah, let's just talk for a minute about the movie that I'm working on. Sound of the Surf. Uh, Sound movie. of the Surf, yeah. Um, this is uh, a movie that uh, I'm co-producing with Tom Duncan, who's directing the film. We've been wrong for about a year and a half now at this point. The film has just gone into post-production as we speak, which is early December. And uh, we're hoping to have it out uh, perhaps next summer. It is the story of surf music. It's being filmed in high definition. It's going to look gorgeous.
and we have um, we've got interviews with uh, a number of people, uh, the names of whom would be well known to, to people listening to this, and some of the names might not be that well known, but we hope to, uh, to come up with a documentary that, that tells the story of surf music as it unfolded in the 60s and do it in an entertaining way that will hold people's interest for an hour and a half. So it's, um, it has a lot of promise. And that's about all I can say right now. There's, we don't even have a, an initial rough cut yet. We're, we're getting there. But Sound of the Surf. Soundofthesurf.com. Um, can you give us sort of a teaser of some of the uh, footage from the 60s that you guys were able to unearth for this? Uh, <laughs> let me just say that um, that this film, this documentary, will have footage in it that uh, that people haven't seen before. It will have. Uh, yeah, let me just leave it at that. Uh, I, I just don't want to go into too much detail right now. There, there's, uh, you know, there will be things in here that people haven't seen before. Put it that way. There will be some things that a lot of people have seen before, but my my guess is is that the majority of the, the majority of the film will be footage that most people haven't seen before. Some of it will be vintage uh, archival material from the 60s. Most of it will be interviews with um, with various and sundry celebrities. Well, thanks for taking your time to uh, chat with us today. More than happy to do so. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Thanks so much to John Blair for giving us such a terrific interview, and also to Warren Binder for asking all those great questions. That beautiful tune we just heard following the interview was actually an unreleased track, Adventures in Paradise, one of John Blair and Marty Tippin's recent collaborations. And just to keep the treats coming for you here, I'm going to start off this next set with some brand new music. This first track is from Austin, Texas band The Thunder Chiefs, with a tune from their upcoming release, The Interstellar Sounds of the Thunder Chiefs. In keeping with our space theme, this tune is called Dark Matter.
We started off that set with Dark Matter by the Thunder Chiefs, followed by a brand new song called Space Encounter from Swedish trad surf band The Surfites. That's off their latest release on Double Crown Records entitled Escapades in Space. After that we heard Space Mission Number 12 from Swiss band Stereophonic Space Sound Unlimited. That's off an album called Stereophonic Space Sound Unlimited Plays Lost TV Themes. And the last song we heard was Space Probe by first wave band The Chantays. Next up is a true surf classic, written by Joe Meek and made famous by British band The Tornadoes. The song is called Telstar, and this version is from 1964, as performed by classic first wave surf band The Challengers.
previously on Earth. There first had to be hundreds of millions of protein molecules of the ninth configuration.
right, that last song was Polaris from a band called The Boys. That's off an album called Instrumental Diamonds, 1961 to 1964. Before that, we heard the Challengers version of Telstar. And that was followed by Space Spade from Japanese surf band The Surf Coasters. That was off their CD, Surf is Dead. And after The Surf Coasters, we heard the amazing Configuration Number no. 9 from Manor Astroman. That comes off their Deluxe Men in Space album. Okay, space comrades, while the next song has got an utterly ridiculous name, it also happens to be a kick-ass tune. This is Santa Claus in Space from Japanese Aleki band, The Blue Horizon. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one, zero.
started off that set with Santa Claus in Space from the Blue Horizon. After that, we heard the Space Cossacks' fabulous song, Beyond the Third Star. That's off their album entitled Star Wars. After that, we heard a couple of classic 1960s space surf songs. The first was Moon Race by Milwaukee, Wisconsin band The Citations. And that was followed by The Rocket Man from Swedish instro group The Spotniks. All right, time for a few more adventures here in space before we turn our ship back towards planet Earth. The next song is Mystery Planet by the Bomboras.
last song we just heard was Blast Off by Mickey Aversa. That's off a compilation album called Surf Creature. We started off that set with Mystery Planet from a CD called Head Shrink and Fun by LA band The Bomboras. After that, I gave you Moon Racers from classic first waivers, The Preps. And finally, we heard Attack of the Robot Atomico from fantastic SoCal band, The Ghastly Ones. Well, comrades, it's time for me to bring you back down to Earth now. I hope you enjoyed our little excursion into outer space, and that when we land, you'll be sure to visit surfguitar101.com and visit the podcast forum, so you can tell me which songs or bands you personally like the best. Now, as we begin to enter our atmosphere, I'll leave you with the shimmering memory of our journey. Here's Sea of Stars from Brighton, England, Instro experimental band, Vibersonic. So, until we meet again, surf music fans, this has been Lady Reverb. I hope she'll keep your music alive, the love in your heart, and that reverb tank in good working order.
Thank <laughs> you.